Hello everyone! You know there's two things on everyone's mind these days. Will the UEE fleet be able to save me from horrific death at the hands of the Vanduul? And how am I going to eat this delicious meal in front of me? Well everyone, Asperia has the answer. Here with me today is Asperia Manufacturing Deputy Assistant Subdirector, Charlie Kappenstock. Thank you, Ken. Uh, you all know Asperia for producing the best replica and repurposed Vandal spacecraft in the verse. Now, in cooperation with the Dharma Mining Company's salvage and retrieval operations, Asperia is proud to present the full Vandal cutlery set. Each piece in this luxury assortment is crafted from genuine Vandal metal, recovered from battlefields across the galaxy, <clears throat> and recycled from acclaimed Asperia inventory. Uh... Right, right. Each of the nine pieces in the set contains unique features that will complement your spacefaring lifestyle, as well as your patriotic loyalty against the alien scourge. Isn't that right, Charlie? That's right, Kerry. I can personally assure you that at least some measurable percentage of each exquisitely designed blade was at some point uh, near an alien or alien-like craft or tool or metallurgical deposit. Or... Char Charlie, Charlie, the features. Right, right, yes, yes, yes. So, fully magnetized handles on each piece mean you can take your new cutlery set on your ship worry-free. Whether you're traveling the quantum waves across the system or diving into a gas giant, your Asperia cutlery will stay right where you put it. Huh, that sure is an attractive feature. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. Also, each set's handles are hollow-edged with the name of the system and, where possible, the battle that the salvage was pulled from. Yes, there's no better way to show your patriotic spirit than holding tight to the memories of where our brave Navy boys scrapped <clears throat> non-zero percentage of the metal in the blades. Speaking of scrapping alien metal, Esperia Manufacturing, in cooperation with Dharma Mining Company's Salvage Subdivision, hired an old friend of mine. Folks, say hello to retired Navy fighter pilot Adiro Voda. We now go to him live on his salvage mission to recover more metal to be used in producing this heirloom-quality flatware. Adiro? Uh, uh, reading you loud, Claire Carey. Uh, are, are you having some problems there, Adiro? Ah, no, we're just uh, making absolutely sure the metal here we grabbed from genuine Vandal ships are totally blown up by, um, explosions. Well, if you need to check back in with us some uh, other time... Oh, no, no the... problem, Carrie. I'll say my piece. Folks, bringing this metal back for Xperia makes me proud. We get incontrovertible, legally sufficient evidence that our boys and girls out there are sticking it to the old duel. Hey! Not so much C7 next time! I'm sorry. Adiro, Asperia has been accused in the mainstream media of war profiteering from its sales of replica ships and quality, durable, Vanduul-themed household goods. Would you care to comment? Profiteering? Hell no! Every set of knives brought by the good people of the UE means... Um, some measurable of number of grams. Less metal those filthy scavengers can reclaim and recycle into more death for our Navy crews. Everyone that sits on their arses and hoards their credits is helping those vermin. Hey, I said less explosive. Uh, okay, so we'll check back with Adiro in a few moments. Charlie, 
Tell the folks at home how they can purchase their very own ticket to the UEE's victory over the Van Duel. Right, Gary. With just three monthly installments of fifty nine ninety nine plus 200 credits shipping and handling, each nine-piece commemorative cutlery set includes a full set of utensils for two. You get a cheese slicer, the blade, a razor whisk, the scythe, and a sausage cleaver, the glaive. And, of course, the spacer's friend, the trusty spork or as we call it, the harvester. Now, just a minute, Charlie. I get two cheese slicers, two razor whisks, two sausage cleavers, and two sporks. Well, I'm no math guru, but I think you're cutting me short by one knife. (laughs) Oh, not at all, Kerry. I was simply saving the best for last. Friends, this is a real treat. The last item is a melon baller, specially designed to model the look and feel of the fighting knives each Vandal warrior carries into battle. Each handle is wrapped with genuine Vandal leather, uh, Vandal leather is a trademark registered by Asperia for use in spaceship upholstery, and the blade is etched with the name of the pilot that shot down a hostile contact that may or may not have been <coughs> an actual Vandal ship, and it comes with the Kerry Kerrigan quality seal of approval. On behalf of Vesperia Manufacturing, thank you, Gary. Oh, it's my pleasure, Charlie. But we're not done yet, folks. Please welcome back Adiro Vota with an extra special offer. Hey, folks. One lucky UEE patriot is in for a real treat. Instead of a genuine <clears throat> replica, Melon Baller, the first 50,000 customers to order will be entered into a drawing for an authentic Vandal combat knife. Adiro, Vesperia has been accused in the mainstream media of cultural insensitivity, and diplomatic sabotage, and putting innocent lives at risk by handing Vandul ceremonial weapons over to UEE civilians. Would you care to comment? Oh, hogwash. Those stories of Vandul soldiers hunting down people who take weapons as trophies are just propaganda and boogeyman tales. Either some fine citizen or civilian uses this blade to dice a cantaloupe or some ten-foot lizard will use it to slice up a sailor. I know which one I would prefer. Oh, thanks, Adiro. Mmm, cantaloupe. I like cantaloupe. A lot. Right, so, three easy payments of $59.99 plus 200 shipping and handling, and the nine-piece set is yours. And remember, the first 50,000 orders are automatically entered to win an actual spoil of war from a real dead alien, which will in no way be a threat to your survival or peace of mind. Operators are standing by, folks. Place your orders now. Actual combat action by named pilot not guaranteed. Maximum 5% post-recycled content, some of which may be of extra-imperial origin. Vandu leather contains no actual organic material from sentient creatures. Asperian manufacturing not responsible for any potential blood vendettas by voracious aliens attempting to retrieve sacred talismans. No purchase necessary to enter the knife contest. Actually, we're trying to get rid of this thing. Seriously, I think it's cursed. Void were prohibited. Check put me at the range point four. This is control. We are radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Sits and saves, captains and commanders, you're tuned to the guard frequency. And as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. 
This is episode 116 of the Best Damn Space Sim podcast ever and was recorded on Friday, April 15th and made available for download Tuesday, April 19th over at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Jeff. And I'm Tony. What do we have this week, Tony? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, the numbers just don't add up. On the flight deck, we see what news has landed from your favorite space sims as we cover Star Citizen's monthly report, 10 for the Chairman, episode 82, and Around the Verse 2.27. News of the 1.6 slash 2.1 beta release date and more details of the upcoming Engineers expansion for Elite Dangerous, and a little news from the Descent Underground and Infinity Battlescape camps. Next, Jeff gathers mine and Lennon's thoughts on crafting, and finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Just a couple of quick hits for you all on the Squawk Box tonight. Accountants have it rough. Nobody likes it when the bean counters raise their hands and just need to go over some numbers, because that means somebody missed something. But hang on, sometimes the thing they missed, it's awesome. Like a whole nother planet out beyond the Kuiper Belt. Careful observations of planetary orbits in our solar systems have laid bare the potential for a mini Uranus at a distance of 200 astronomical units. There's a joke in there somewhere, but, but I'm not going to write it. To dispense with a couple of urban myths, though, the potential Planet 9 is not sending a destructive wave of mini comets hurtling towards the Earth, and it is not altering the orbit of the Cassini probe, which is currently finishing up its mission orbiting Saturn. It is stirring up debate among astronomers, who are racing to prove its existence and location. On the other hand, sometimes the numbers should have added up, and somebody should have double-checked them earlier. Fresh off the trillion-and-a-half-dollar black hole that is the F-35 acquisition, somebody took a pencil and a calculator and a green eye shade, and they sat down with the numbers for the B-21. Northrop Grumman's next-generation bomber won the bid by underbidding the expected price tag per plane by about 40 million bucks a copy. You'd think that'd be great news. Hey, you know, they built the B-2, and, you know, this new plane's supposed to be smaller and simpler, right? Well, due to the magic of Pentagon accounting, government budget hawks are wondering if just maybe Northrop is playing a little of the old Lockheed Martin F-35 shell game by hiding some of the bomber's production costs, where they will be held strictly accountable, uh, in the development program instead, where the drinks are always on the house and there's no lockout on the pay-per-view channels. Somebody stop them before they leave with the fluffy bathrobes. Isn't that typical? I still can't believe in this day and age that, that companies still pull this kind of crap. I just... Yeah, well, you know, that's what they can get away with. There's a whole planet hiding out in the solar system, and we find it by looking at the numbers. Uh, we could probably buy a planet with what we're missing in the Pentagon budget. And they're doing it again with the with the, with the new bomber. It's like, didn't we just see this show? Didn't we just see the show with the F-35? Yeah. Uh, but, but if it one. worked once before, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, you know, nothing succeeds like success. So, do it again. The the way that they're going about this new one is it's underneath a like a rapid acquisition program, so it actually short circuits a lot of supervisory stuff. One one what they're saying is that well, by short circuiting the supervisory stuff, we also happen to be short circuiting all of the delays that come with those extra layers of supervision. So we'll be faster by about a decade, and we might actually even be cheaper because every time the program has to be reevaluated, it costs more money. So, you know, it's like we're cheating, but this is good cheating. 
it's good cheating this time. We're the good cheaters. This, the other stuff, that's bad. This is good. I'm a little skeptical. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say, yeah, okay. I'm a little skeptical. Yeah. That's like saying, yes, my dear, I didn't cheat with the blonde, but I cheated with the redhead. That's the good cheating, right? <laughs> and I didn't inhale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but in, in the fun, on the funner you know or the more fun side of things that that planet that's lurking out there it's always the the harbinger of doom in science fiction right those nemesis and the apophis asteroid yeah. and all these other things that are supposed to spell the end for Earth it's not it's clearly not going to but it, it the scientists are thinking this is the last possible you know time we could discover a planet like they've accounted for everything and this one little wiggle is the only thing left that they can't account for and it may not even be a planet. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time that I've actually heard about this, and I'm quite surprised because normally I'm quite hot up on the space news. So when you say it's a uh, mini Uranus, is it something like sort of Pluto size? It's, it's clearly not like gas giant, is it? You had to bring up Pluto, didn't you? I, I think they need to reclassify <laughs> Pluto back as a planet first. Yeah. And then talk about any other... Yeah, so this is either Planet 9 or Planet 10, depending on how you're counting. But, you know, officially it would be Planet 9 because Pluto's still demoted for now. But, uh, no, this this is... Uh, it's supposed to be, uh, by some estimates, at least 10 times the mass of Earth. So that could put it comfortably... No, I guess not comfortably. Oh, God, here... I, here. This would put it uncomfortably in the Uranus area. How about that? <laughs> how about that? Yeah, no, it's it, it would be much larger than Earth, sub-gas giant, you know, sub-serious gas giant size. But it's, it'd be big enough and cold enough that it would have escaped easy detection uh, until now. And even then, there's even now they're still trying to narrow down what part of the sky it might be in. Two hundred astronomical units is a, is quite a ways out there. Yeah, it's so. it's quite a ways, and it would have to be either made up of material uh, that doesn't reflect very well or it's in the shadow of something else or something yeah it's it's pa- out past the kuiper belt and there's enough it's in the shadow of nemesis yes oh that's good so what do we call it mini uranus in the shadow of nemesis i think that's the episode title right there i think there we go <laughs> i don't think we're gonna be able to top that have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to others listening on the spectrum? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's see what news has hit the flight deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our Star Citizen crowdfunding update for April 15th, 2016, 111,710,000 of about 200,000, 1.34 million registered accounts of about 600 accounts or so, and 953,000 ships in the UEE fleet up about 2,000. And speaking of Star Citizen, Around the Verse was basically all about hair. When they moved off that topic finally, it was full of random teasers that should interest devoted backers. First, everyone who actually tried to buy a Big Benny's Reliant off the April Fool's joke page is going to get a $5 VD coupon in their email. That's not nearly as weird as it sounds. Also, as teased by Lando after a poetry jam, it's been confirmed that the Misk Prospector Solo Mining Ship Concept Sale begins next week, priced at $140. Also, there's now a tax day sale where several of the more limited military ships are available for purchase, like the Gladius and the Super Hornet. The monthly report for March 2016 was released, and as usual, if you follow CIG News on a regular basis, there won't be much new there. But buried among the pages of the text are a few hints about what CIG's focus is on for the future. 
Firstly, the LA studio is busy designing a new shield interaction system, including how ships with multiple generators will work and working on updating the interaction system so everything doesn't just say use. Yay! Thumbs up on that one. Meanwhile, Austin is working closely with behavior on getting shopping ready for the baby PU. And also linked in with that effort, some of Germany's staff are working on the shopping district that will appear in Port Olisar. Speaking of Germany, their cinematics teams is doing work on a video of a super capital ship they can't yet name. Hmm. And they're working on redesigning quantum travel to involve a skill component. This will eventually allow experts to get more out of the distances in quantum travel and possibly even avoid or escape interdiction. Finally, Turbulent is still working on redesigning a ship comparison lineup for the CIG site. Next up in another 10 for the chairman, Chris gave us some useful tidbits on future game goals and mechanics. Thanks to a question by Max Overseer, we know that there will be an in-game Mobiglass app called Skyline that will function as a mini-map of sorts when you're flying around, letting you know where you are in relation to other things in the system. It'll only be based on your personal map info, however, so if you haven't found or downloaded a landmark's location, you may still run full-on into it. Serafina asked a question about medical treatment that led to Chris discussing how simple triage and quick patching of wounds will work, and it will basically be a use prompt near the victim, but there will be some sort of skill-based gameplay involved in doing more extensive medical repairs. There were no details given yet, but it suggests that people with cutlass reds or endeavours with hospital modules might need to do more than just throw someone on a bed and push a button to get them healthy again. Nimrod77 asked about taking off and landing on capital ships, specifically catapults, in some sort of arresting system. Chris said that takeoffs are going to be similar to the way it works at Port Alisar now, just get in the ship, hover off the deck, and go. Landings, however, are likely to require a landing assist system. Apparently, they have been testing landing on the Idris over at Foundry 42, and unassisted manual landings work about as well for the devs as they did for Mr. Sulu and the Galileo in Star Trek V. Finally, WLB asked about the likelihood of griefing or other nefarious behavior in otherwise safe areas. Chris said there will definitely be certain areas where pulling off griefing or unapproved behavior will be nearly impossible, even for a well-coordinated group. He gave Earth and Terra as examples. There will also be systems where unlawful behavior might be pulled off, but having it go undetected would require a massive coordination effort by several dozen people. He did say that certain scripted missions may come up which would request some sort of unlawful behavior in one of these systems, made possible by a behind-the-scenes criminal enterprise, but such missions would always be against targeted NPC assets, and the only way players would be on the side getting attacked is if they'd signed up for a job involving protection of the same target. Many new planet surface points of interest are being added, and as part of the NPC AI upgrades, there will be an increase in NPC activity, including ships patrolling some planetary bases. Fair warning to those following in Jeff's footprints and taking up base assaults. Huh? <laughs> That's a reference to your elite stuff. To your elite oh. activities. Your elite oh, activities, okay. bombing those innocent bases for fun and profit <laughs> and ranking ups and reputation. Ah, so it's a yeah. scoundrel. Hey, I'm just playing with it with uh, as it was intended. That's right. Against the NPC stuff. That's right. That's yeah. right. A good lot of information from the Star Citizen site this week. Very little activity as far as news goes, but in 10 for the Chairman we see a lot. Now, what was interesting was two mentions of skills, which I thought they were not going to do, that they were against the whole skills system. Yeah, quantum travel and what was the other one? The hot, and, uh, and the medical th- Health. stuff. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's skills as in you pump your points into a tech tree, but more skill as in you need to have a physical real-life ability to be able to control a mouse in a certain way. The way that I took it oh, was a bit like, so? you know, 
yeah, yeah, like with the quantum travel thing, you know, like in Elite, where you've got that Goldilocks zone for dropping out of Super Cruise. I think it's probably going to be something similar in that if you, you know, you hit the the target um, on the little needle, then you'll drop out in exactly the right place. If not, you might be a few hundred okay. meters or kilometers off or whatever. And for the medical procedures, I'd imagine all of this was talking more about mini games rather than tech trees. Oh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not big yeah. on mini games. I've often compared Elite to a series of a bunch of mini games, right? Right. And that's that's I think that's what they're aiming for here is you know for for the health, probably for your basic. I've been shot. Stop the bleeding thing. That'll probably just be a clicky, you know, use and then it's done. But if you want to repair somebody's limb or attach a bionic part or something. That'll probably take more interaction. Well, you want somebody that's practiced. The more I hear about what's coming out for uh, Star Citizen, and the more I, I, I kind of question where they're actually putting. You know, uh, it's well, it's questionable where the actual game is going to be. I mean, first they they're not going to make it as real life as possible, which means you know communications or whatnot. And then again, we go back to this. Oh, I want to get out. Of, I want to get back onto the field of battle. Well, it's going to take somebody with you know uh, minutes to you know half an hour or so to, for me to heal up and get back out into the battle zone again. So I'm wondering where this is going. Am I making any yeah. sense at all? Yeah, no, no, you're making sense. I mean, it's a trade-off between you know realism and gameplay. And back in the talking stages, this. A lot was made of the potential realism of the gameplay, which, as time has gone on, they've actually had to implement these systems and think about how they work together. The phrase realism of gameplay turns out to be an oxymoron. Right. And it doesn't work. You can either have realism or gameplay, and they're on a spectrum, and for every feature of the game, you can put the slider wherever you want it, but you trade, it's a trade off. And I think that they're doing something fine by saying for the basics of it if you just want to hit the button for quantum travel and go that's fine but if you want to play the mini game then you can get bonuses i think that's okay for basic healing just give them the medi pack whatever it is shot in the arm thing and, and you know that's that's good enough to get you back in the fight temporarily but if you want to have full use of your limb again well then we need to do something a little extra you know there needs to be more i think that's fine but i think jeff's point is well taken if your inability to find somebody with those extra skills means that you're not able to participate in the game, that's a problem. Right. I think the thing is, though, that anywhere where there is any sort of large-scale battle that's going on, you're bound to have someone with a hospital ship nearby. And if it's a small-scale battle that's just random piracy, uh, like, I don't know, you're transporting cargo and someone attacks you and you end up losing a leg, then that type of thing, I guess ultimately that's one of the things that makes the universe living and breathing is that there is actual danger and you, you're not just going to be able to instantly respawn or something of that nature if you do lose a leg out there and you might have to fly away to the nearest sure. spaceport to get patched up. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the slider. You, know, you, you nudge the slider more towards realism. There are costs and consequences for that. Yeah. And people will have to choose to devote their gameplay to the more realistic gritty type stuff if, if that's what they want to do and presumably there'll be larger rewards or better gear or whatever that goes along with taking that risk some people don't want to do that and that's fine as long as you can choose where on that slider you want to be and it doesn't interfere with the kind of game you want to play great 
Yeah, I reckon that they would have put it in in such a way where, you know, the the more on the lawless side of space you go, the further out from civilization, the less immediate amenities like the medical systems there are going to be nearby. But again, it's it's like if you're after that kind of gameplay, that's where you go. Whereas if you want gameplay in a, a more structured PVE environment with easy access to hospitals, then stay in the core systems. And I'm fairly certain that the way that everything's been talked about so far, the way that they're building the game is that you won't have a career that is only able to be done in like a specific location. Like If you want to do mining, for example, you might not be able to get the highest, most rarest of ores without having to go to the Outer Rims, for example. But you can still do mining, it just wouldn't necessarily be that high-risk, high-reward mining. Well, I'm kind of concerned by what that work is going to entail, and are we just going to be okay, now i got to keep the mouse in a certain, you know, midpoint, or this guy's going to lose his leg, you know? <laughs> that, that could be, yeah. I mean, that, that theoretically could be something they do. Um, at the same time, though, that would be a perfect example of, you know, if you want to be the pilot and keep everybody uh, safe, and you fly those with the medical experience out there. So, you know, if it's me, you, and Tony, I might be the one who has the medical experience. I jump into the back of your constellation. You fly us out there. You do a great job of protecting us and keeping us completely safe whilst I'm in the back with the guy trying to heal up his wound. You know, it's sort of the whole multiplayer side of it then really comes into its own. Or you hire an NPC that has that The medical skill. experience, yeah. So I, I, as long as those choices are there, I think it's fine. Uh, but the choices better be there. Well, the dreaded content drought in Elite Dangerous News is over. And when it rains, it pours. First off, update 1.6 for all players and 2.1, also known as the Engineers, for Horizon owners will begin its closed beta during the week ending May 8th. That announcement was accompanied by a preview image showing one of the titular engineer's equipment modifications, a beam laser altered by the addition of a regeneration sequence. This effect causes the beam to regenerate rather than damage your wingmate's shields when it strikes them. Does this mean that there may be a healer role in ED? This week's Elite Newsletter showcased two more modifications, Thermal Shock, which causes a pulse laser to also heat up the target that's been struck, and Force Shell, which adds an explosive blast to cannon shells that can push a target ship off course. A Gownet entry introduced the first of the engineers to us, detailing Professor Ishmael Palin's retirement from the institute he founded to research the mysterious barnacles and unknown artifacts. Instead, he'll be opening up a private research centre on Maya A3A and welcoming commanders who visit. Perhaps he will offer modifications related to the metal alloys found at the barnacle sites. A wealth of new information appeared in part one of a three-part countdown to beta, revealing an overhaul to the outfitting screens for ease of use and readability, especially for virtual reality users. Yay, Octopus Rift. The previously announced new large and huge weapons were confirmed to be available in both fixed and gimbaled mounts, despite previous suggestions they might be fixed only. The galactic map will be upgraded to allow filtering for the state of a system, like war or rebellion, to aid in searching for systems that might have certain types of missions available. Finally, 1.6 brings several long-awaited features to elite players on Xbox One, including private groups, customizable control schemes, and game extras, like paint job packs and bobbleheads. Xbox One users will purchase game extras using Frontier Points available through the Xbox Store and can only be used on the Frontier Xbox One Store, but it will allow them to roll out new game extras in future PC and Xbox players simultaneously. Wow. Yeah, yeah after 
after <laughs> several weeks of us having to sort of make things up or just drop uh, Elite Dangerous completely, this is just, we got a lot of good stuff in this one. Where to begin? It is good news. I have not been playing Elite lately, and this is good. I can get back into some Elite when this comes to beta. I didn't get into Horizons, and I still have yet to do a planetary landing. I still just like the space stuff a lot. But what's good and what's interesting about this is that you don't have to buy Horizons to get some of the content, like the huge weapons, the size 4 weapons. That's pretty fantastic. Uh, There's kind of a dearth at the upper end for those bigger guns, and uh, now they've sort of... They've filled that out a little bit. Uh, beam and pulse lasers and and uh, cannons. Good to see those. I'm going to definitely be mounting one of those on my, you know, Imperial Cutter. You know, I have one of those. Uh, I'm, I'm king rank, uh, you know, and Elite Dangerous. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of a big deal. <laughs> yes. And a rear admiral on the Federation side, you know, no autographs, please. But it's good to see that those things are coming. I am interested in seeking out these engineers, though finding those weapon mods in the galaxy somewhere. I think that's actually a really fun gameplay. That's not a mini game, right? It's actually trying to track down something. It's more like a quest. Yeah. You know, it's more of a traditional quest than a series of mini games. And this is where Lennon, you and I were talking about this earlier this week is uh, it was a mile wide and a, a foot deep. But, you know, with, with the addition of these sorts of quest lines, now it's a foot and a half deep. You know, you're starting to get a little more lore and a little more interaction with how the universe is structured also the um, addition of a healing gun the ability to shoot people better that is just such a cool thing i think that's fantastic speaking of needing some skill to you know activate your healing mechanic right you can't just click on a guy and say make him better so now it's like hold still i'm trying to fix you and then shooting him with the right laser gun and not shooting him with the wrong laser gun in the middle of what I would assume would be sort of a pitched battle, that will take some skill. Yeah, but also you could ensure repeat customers by doing that. You know, first of all, you heal them up a bit, but not too much, just take the edge off with a regular laser, and then (laughs) you can just ensure that business will be repeated. Whoops! Yep. Well, that's interesting because, you know, one thing that's sorely lacking in the Elite Dangerous universe is any kind of player economy. Yeah, you know, there's it's highly inconvenient to trade value between players. It usually means like you dump cargo and the other guy has to scoop it up. That's basically how you can transfer money, you know, between players right now. So, how would you pay for a search and rescue or a mobile repair station, you know? Interesting uh, question there. Yeah. In fact, bringing that up, I'm surprised that they haven't put in something like that sooner, the ability to transfer funds between players. For now, it's fine, but as they get into the crafting, part of the uh, attraction or fun of crafting is being able to pass out mods, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's maybe isn't the only thing you do with crafting, but I think it's a major part of what people expect from a crafting system is that I know a guy who's found all the engineers, and if we wing up with him or help him do something, he'll give us the good stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing how they implement that. Well, and that brings up a point about crafting in a game. I mean, is is the crafting just for you or is it meant to be something else entirely for those people that you play with or are around? Yeah, no, you're right. I think Frontier has to set some expectations to see, you know, here are the limits of our system as currently designed and implemented. If you want more, jump on the forums and tell us more. 
This week, Descent Underground saw some major updates that will be coming to us shortly. Namely, changes to the Panzer's Blast Shield are now in internal testing. This shield will also protect nearby allies, as well as the Panzer itself, of course. Rob's been burning the Midnight Oil designing and building out the co-op levels and co-op gameplay. The first version of the new AI was internally playtested this week. It is knocking the devs' rocks off in terms of difficulty and will be published soon, TM. And both the new survival mode and the training missions are now out of the design phase and into the fryer, meaning that they now actually have to implement them. And Infinity Battlescape also saw some progress with the release of patch 0.1.3.0, bringing with it some changed physics for the ships, as each ship now has a proper mass value associated with it, which in turn leads to the thrusters being stronger in order to move the heavier ships. Unfortunately, the ships are no longer handling in the atmosphere as the developers intended, so that's going to get another pass soon. Further, Flavian is working on some major improvements to the controls and input mapping, including support for gamepads and joysticks, and Christian has finished the placeholder art for the Interceptor. That will be fleshed out with the cockpit, etc. over the next week. So, look forward to seeing that in a build most likely publishing next week. So, I've noticed a, a pattern, if you will, a, 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 a constant theme, is that every game out now has a colon in it. Yes. Colon, dangerous. Infinity, colon, battlescape. Star, colon, citizen. Descent. Yes. Star Citizen does not have a colon. But there'll be Star Citizen, colon, Squadron 42. And Descent, colon, underground. So, you know, I think um, we're going to need to have lots of colons to go with our mini Uranuses. (laughs) (laughs) Oh! And the hits keep coming. (laughs) It's out there 200 astronomical units away. Astronomical units away? There's just there was too there was there was too much, I mean the, there were too many possibilities and that's why I couldn't do all of them all in the squawk box. I mean, the inner shiv is just boiling out in you at this point, isn't it? You just want to make pun right. after pun I, I, after pun I after pun. Try to hold all right, it all right, all right, gentlemen. You know, uh, it's, n- now it's time for news we didn't use. IGN has released a new No Man's Sky gameplay video that's over 20 minutes long and features commentary by Sean Murray. The video also has more detail about what you can actually do while playing the game, apart from looking at space dinosaurs. Eve Valkyrie is headed to the HTC Vive. And Star Citizen are currently having a free fly week that runs through until April 25th. So, Lennon. Yes. The HTC Vive. Oh, yes. Yes. Vive. I got to try one. Vive. And they are amazing. I wasn't really sold on this whole VR thing. I thought it would be like a nice add-on, kind of like, you know, it's like you could play Star Citizen with a, a full HOTUS setup and your $950,000 Warthog, but you don't have to, you know. It's like that's just <laughs> a nice to have. Um, I thought VR was going to be one of these things as well until I actually tried it. And uh, the best way I can describe it is my opinion has gone from, eh, if I had £700, I'd buy an HTC Vive, to, oh my god, I need to find £700. The thing, when I tried it on, it was just, 
uh, incredible. The level of immersion that you get, even when the graphics are kind of crappy, which the game that they had on the on the demo system, it was called Space Pirates, you know, is purely built to show the capability of the HTC Vive. Even, even though the graphics were kind of subpar, just the level of immersion that you can get, it is pretty much everything that you've ever dreamed about, sort of holotech technology, or, you know, when you were growing up and they had all these promises of virtual reality where you could, uh, you know, use your hands to interact with objects and all that sort of thing. If you've got the Vive controllers on, it's it's just so smooth and it is so fluid. And yeah, it's just, it's literally like being in there. And as soon as I got to fly through an area of space that I was basically gone, yeah, I'm having to save up and get that because I so, so need one now. It's not even a want, it's a need, it's a requirement. Well, and from what I understand from both your comments and from what I've read is that the Vive is more an integrated experience with the controllers. Yes, yes, very yeah, much so. It's, you know, part of the problem that I have with the even the concept of virtual reality is, okay, I've got my goggles on now, and my little headphones are near, plugging in my ears, and my head is is immersed in this thing. Now, where the hell is my keyboard? I mean, it's like, you know, I have to, like, yeah. like flop around to try to find my mouse and keyboard now. But the Vive controllers, you're supposed to be able to interact entirely with these two, like, paddles. Yeah, so... Uh, that have buttons and triggers on them. So one of the things that I did, it was a, like I said, the game was, it was called something like Space Pirates. I entirely forget the title of it, but when they loaded you into it, you had these controllers in your hand and they basically became your, uh, your HOTUS system. You know, it was like you pushed forward on them to go forward, backwards to go back, uh, and then you could move directions and the triggers became to be able to fire your guns. And then a bit later on, there was another demo, which was kind of like, um, almost like a tower defense game and you were an archer that had to defend against people that were approaching and then you just held one of the controllers out front for your bow uh, the second controller you kind of like click the trigger and pulled back and then released the trigger and it fired the arrow from your bow and it was just are, very are seamless are you sure we're not talking about playstation 3's little wand thing that they used to have <laughs> I, 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 you know, it looks because very similar here's my prediction it's going to be hot for maybe 18 months and people are going to be so, like, put it away on the shelf and it's just going to gather dust. And, you know, the uh, I asked Lennon about this, too, Jeff. I said, you know, was this like the Wii when the Nintendo Wii yeah. came out? It really yeah. it really was a breakthrough. And you're talking about the, the PlayStation 3 controller, which, of course, is, a, you know, a, a Wii clone, a derivative of it. You know, it did. It did change how people interact with it. But what it became was that people put accelerometers in their game pads. And that seems to be, like, where it went. Right. We're still using the gamepad, but you can tilt the gamepad if you want to or push it back and forth or something, and something happens with relationship to that. I wonder if that's how virtual reality is going to come down. It's like you'll get a version of what the track IR is. People will put on a headband or, like, a Jordi LaForge visor, and you get, like, maybe an augmented reality sort of a thing, like the Microsoft see, version. Yeah, now, see, that's I can where, see that more, uh, more yeah. practical, more... Where you get those elements of your virtual reality, but it's not encompassing the rest of your PC experience. Yeah. Good, good topic. Good, good, mm. good. That's well, well done. Well done. Too bad we could have had a nice debate about that next week, but we blew it. Well, speaking of that, the pending beta of Engineers for Elite Dangerous got us thinking about crafting. Whilst most games have crafting, they also usually provide other ways to obtain gear. So, is crafting really all that great? Is it even necessary? That's what we're here to find out. Gentlemen, your mission, should you choose to accept it, 
is to debate for us crafty. I will give you each 30 seconds to present your case and then a further 30 seconds to reply. As a result of a coin flip, Tony is up first and Lennon is up second. So Tony, please tell us why you think crafted items should be comparable to endgame gear. Jeff, crafted items should be comparable to endgame gear earned via missions and traveling because it's an alternative form of gameplay. You, any kind of social or, or MMO type game needs a broad base of, of participants and you need to be able to cater to as many different gameplay styles as possible. Some people want to be strictly PvE, some people strictly PvP, some people just want to log in and tinker and hang out with their friends. And I think a robust crafting system with good gear caters to that. Tony, you ignorant slut. One of the whole attractions to the endgame gear is that it takes a lot of risk to get a great reward. You know, being able to put comparable items in the hands of players, especially when you consider that if this was modelling reality, as a lot of games are trying to do, there would not be that many master level craftsmen to make the items required that have comparable stats to somebody who has risked literally life and limb to obtain the item necessary. Lennon, I understand that there needs to be a risk-reward mechanic, and that's fine for a certain subset of players, but some people are just risking their time. They don't have a lot of skill, or they don't want to play the kind of game they need to play to get those skills, and having a crafting alternative which lets them make high-end gear, not necessarily the identical gear you can get from uh, risky missions, is another way to keep people interested for the long term, rather than just stressy click-fests or shoot-em-ups. Tony, you ignorant slut. The it, alternative gameplay is is fine and dandy, except when it comes to producing items, because not only do you have the market being effectively washed out by all of these crafted items taking the place of where the high-level items would be incredibly sellable and they would really have a value to it, but you also end up with the side effects of crafting, like all the lobies trying to go out into the high-level zones, risking their necks to get the crafting items that they require to actually make the weapons, getting in the way of my high-level activities. Um, I have two words for you on that topic. Um, boo and who. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say for the record, boo. I friggin' love crafting, so <laughs> yeah, that's why I took the opposite side in this argument, because right. I was like, I gotta hate myself for once, so... Yeah, that's that's good. No, you you are you argued well, well done, sir. Thank you. Well, you know, I I've had there have been games I've been in that where their crafting system is really good, and games where the crafting system really sucks, and where it's really good, I happen to agree with Lennon. I like crafting. In other games, I could care less if I ever saw the workbench. And let's and let's you know we're going to talk about quote realism and people getting in the way of your high level activities and other things and your immersion, you know reality is is a small percentage of stuff gets salvaged from the wreckage of your defeated enemies right it's a rare thing to take that van duel ceremonial knife from the the cold dead hands of the 10-foot lizard man that's not a thing that happens every day what does happen every day is people go to work and they put together widget a with gadget b and they hook it in and then they make uh you know a gizmo and then they take that gizmo and they hook it onto a spaceship that's how it works that's crafting or manufacturing or whatever. So, I, I mean, I think it's unrealistic to make game players go out on quests to get the very, very best stuff when the reality is the best stuff gets made in a laboratory with you know dudes in white coats and pocket protectors. That, that's how it really works. Well, that brings us to this week's community question. Love it? 
hate it, we want to hear from you about crafting. So let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post over on our show thread at guardfrequency.com. And now that we're all caught up with the latest news, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say he needs a triple stick setup, one for each hand, and that he's the one who really shot JR. But all we know is he's called the Shiv. He'll put together this week's feedback. War! What is it good for? Absolutely nothing, or does it in fact have a place in a game's universe? Sean Newboy kicks this off by saying, Love the show, great job everyone. All hail the beam. Large-scale PvP should only be a simulator-slash-holodeck thing in this universe, or for sporting events. The universe will have enough war coming from aliens, so there's no reason to add player wars. Montiato says, War can definitely have a place in online gaming. It's all about consent and shared expectations, though. In a game like Descent Underground, combat is the thing, and blowing each other up is what you're supposed to do. No problem there. Wargaming can be lots of fun. Strategies, tactics, the ability to fight and prevail, all very cool stuff that folks can enjoy. The thing is, a variation on a theme there, I like that. The thing is, many of these games are trying to be a lot of different things to different people. If I'm playing football in the park, I expect to be tackled and shoved under the ground. If I'm walking through the park on a date, I don't expect these things unless the date is going really well. (laughs) Some jerk running up and shoving me under the ground for laughs is quite simply a jerk. If he thought I was playing football, well, that's another issue. Developers of these games that look to provide lots of different experiences for different people should take a care to provide effective safeguards that allow people to elect what style of play is acceptable to them and give them a reasonable assurance that they can experience it. Adon writes in and says, Great show, everyone. However, I'm going to have to disagree with everyone who wants to PvP is who should shove it right in their I personally love a good PvP battle, even when I'm not expecting it. The threat of being attacked and killed for me is what gives me satisfaction when accomplishing non-combat tasks. Many people who've had no issues of being attacked by an NPC while they're doing these things, how come it's different just because there's a person on the other end of the experience? Well, I have a lot to say about that. Griefing, sniping charity streams, or any streams really, and killing new players over and over is a whole different story. However, these people are going to grief even if PvP wasn't in the game. At least PvP being in the game gives us some recourse and lets us blow their asses up. As for Major Wars, I think it's the best form of PvP. These people have all agreed to be part of a war. Everyone should know the risk when they join up for a war and it gives a good outlet for people who want to PvP. I'm personally looking forward to some massive organizational battles once the game goes live. Love the show every week, guys. Keep up the good work. And Chris Cooper says, absolutely, for those wanting to opt in. And KJL says, plot device used to justify world events and enhance immersion, especially for our peers. Okay. Well, first of all, I took a tactic last week that that might seem that I was really anti-PVP. I am not anti-PVP. I enjoy good uh, games that have implemented PVP in in a great way. I can't name more than one or two games, but okay. Name your favorite. Tell tell us what your tell us which ones, in your opinion, got it right. Um, I actually think um, Stowe did a really good job of it after the fact, not in the beginning, but after the fact. Um, they do it well. Okay. And uh, 
probably the other one that I uh, really enjoyed was Rift. Okay. Now, I can speak to Stowe, which was a very, it's very ring-fenced. Right. If you, if you, yeah. ha- you have to go find the PvP. Right. Right? Yep. And right. that's why... Okay, so is Rift kind of the same way? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, relatively. It's it's structured and self-contained, and you can't just stumble across it in the, in your reg- regular travels. You know, you've got to specifically seek it out and join it. And I would like to make mention of the differences between a game like Descent Underground, where the reason Descent Underground PvP is so exciting and so fun is that you're not really losing anything. You pick your ship and your and the stuff at the beginning of the game. You know, all your loadouts and all that. This isn't months and months and months of earning gear and other stuff that somebody comes along and just takes from you because uh, you were either not prepared or were doing something else entirely focused on not PvP. There's a difference between PvP-only games like Descent Underground and other games where the risk is just outrageous. Yeah, uh, no, I, I, I really don't have anything to follow that up with i think pvp yeah i think it has a place in the game it does make the universe more dynamic but grief is gonna grief uh, regardless of whether you have pvp in there or not pvp if it's open world makes it easier for them because the problem is unlike in real life where if you uh do open world pvp you're probably going to get arrested and put in jail pretty damn sharpish <laughs> You know, yeah. you can't respawn in real life. You can't set up an alt you in real life. So the consequences for that. Well, you can, but it's awfully expensive and involves a great deal of illegal activity. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's real end game stuff. But and that and that's um, the real issue here. I think is the fact that the in the real world, the real consequences are severe, and and in our gaming lives. They are not. And so people's real characters, I think, I mean, these, this is what gets me about griefing and, and not, not so much PvP because I understand battles and wars and I love them. I mean, good God. I mean, some of the best battles I ever had was in WoW of all places and, and uh, massive PvP wars. But the fact that the mentality or the character or the synapses or... or you know, taking down that shield of, of morality, whatever it is, griefers are those people I most, um, because I know that's, that, that they think, oh, this is they, okay. Yeah. This is, I can do this and get away with it. And because I can get away with it, I'm going to do it more and more and more. Right. What I think offends me and probably everybody on this show, and I, hopefully, I think a large part, portion of our audience, is that griefers get off on the implied consent of you logged in, you showed up here, therefore I can do whatever the game allows me to do to you. They get off on that sort of implied consent of it. And I think it's very important, and Amontillado, I think, hit, hit it right on the head here. But I think it's very important that everybody remembers that PvP stands for player versus player, not predator versus prey. And I think that's the real point here, is that if you're consenting to combat another player, awesome. I think like in a war type, you know, organized type war situation, or in like Star Trek Online, when you log into a PvP queue, or you go into a combat zone in Elite Dangerous, you're expecting to fight other players in those places and you're giving explicit permission to do so. Everywhere else, leave me alone. If I wanted to interact with you, I'd go to one of these places. I'm out here not bothering you. I'm walking through the park, not consenting to tackle football. Well, and I want to make a point about 
Adon's post too. He says, the threat of being attacked and killed for me that gives me the satisfaction of when accomplishing a non-combat task and many people have no issues being attacked by NPC. Okay, well, that's true, but NPCs are usually non-elite mobs or a non-elite. I mean, even in the most elite, let's like Star Wars. Their flavor. Yeah, they're, they're, they're poorly geared. They're AIs. They don't have a bunch of skills that you have available to you. And being jumped by them, you know, hey, given all things equal, I'm going to beat this guy. I know it because he's at my level. And when, when you get jumped by a griefer, that's not the case. They're usually, you know, got the top end gear. They got, you know, all their skills maxed out and, and got the best weapons and, and whatnot. And that does not make for a great PvP experience. Remember, it's player versus player. Right, and this feeding back in with what KJL said, uh, effectively, um, to borrow a, a metaphor from the tabletop industry, it's the difference between role play versus troll play. You know, our peers, yeah. role players, they will attack the character. You know, oh, you're a Federation pilot and you've made your way into Empire Space. Well, looks like you came to the wrong neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but troll players will attack the player. You know, right. oh, you're a newbie, right. not really doing much. Pow, have that. Yeah, what do you think of that? You know, and it's it's those who do it for the lols versus those who do it because it provides a dynamic game experience. That's where, you know, PvP for me, I'm definitely on the roleplay side. And in general feedback, the Echnoverse says, At Guard Freak hosts a really interesting discussion on player-run economies in their recent episode. Check it out. Why, thank you, Echnoverse. No new Patreon subscribers this week, and the winners of our brand new patch are Snake Eyes. Look at that one you can pronounce, Jeff. Hey. <laughs> I'm going to greet you, Mobo. <laughs> hey, don't attack the player. Attack the pronunciation game. <laughs> yeah. And this week's community question, love it, hate it, don't care. We want to hear what you think about crafting. Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at guardfrequency.com. So how was the show? Exquisitely crafted to utter perfection, or should we just stick to using what the devs dole out? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you get in touch with us. Why not leave a comment on this show's post over at GuardFrequency.com? Or hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. If you're old school like us, shoot an email to Squawk at GuardFrequency.com. You can also use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in our show notes. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 116 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 117 on April 26th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over on our website at guardfrequency.com. But that's not all! You can also subscribe to our shows at feeds.guardfrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you can always join us live over at the guardfrequency.com forward slash live website. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. Do you like what we do? Do you like Jeff's new radio announcer voice? You want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Drop us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Right now, our audio team is expanding, so if you think you know a high-quality show when you hear it and can clean up Jeff's radio voice, then we'd love to hear from you. You can also support the show by visiting our website. Click on the Patreon logo and become a regular subscriber. 
For just a buck twenty-five, you'll get access to the raw recordings of our live shows, as well as being entered into our weekly draw to win some guard frequency goodies. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us with their subscriptions week on week, and we hope that you'll consider making a regular contribution, because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? We're active in most space sims and would love to have you join us. Check out our website and look under the call signs section for all the details on how you can fly with us. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Chorton Edwards, our staff writers, Jace Pentad and Kinshadow, our producer, Jeff Grant, and of course, our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. A big shout out to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Tandy 330, Carol 15, Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. Uh, also, as teased by Lennon after a poetry jam, no, it's been confirmed. No, no, I didn't tease anything. Titler engineers. What was that uh, word? Titular. Titular. Detailing profession. Professor Ishmael. Yes, Professor Sean yes, Connery pro- Ishmael Palin. Yes. <laughs> Finally, 1.6 brings several long-awaited features to elite players on Xbox One, including private groups. And bobbleheads. Cut. Xbox One users will tier points available through the Xbox Store and can only be used on the Frontier Xbox One Store, but it will allow them to roll out new game extras in future PC and Xbox players simultaneously. Wow. Yeah, yeah after, after <laughs> several weeks, I purchased... Hang on a second. Oh. Xbox, watch TV. I, okay. Yeah, reading that content made me switch my Xbox around to the Xbox Store. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Mike, they're, they're spying on you, Jeff. They're listening to your every word. Yeah. And you said Xbox like 16 times there. Yeah. Hitler. Titler. Hitler. Titler. Hitler. Titler. This is Tony. Uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, feedback, closing, sync one. This is Lennon knowing what he's doing here. Feedback and closing, sync two. And this is Jeff, who's known what he's been doing for 100 million years. Feedback and closing, sync three. And feedback in closing, I never said we were professionals in three, two. All hail the beam.